Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. And Brooks, you were a little bit hostile last week, especially at the end of the episode. Please tell me you're in a bit of a better <laughs> mood this week. I'm in a better mood. I had a drink with dinner. Kenny told me that um, our episode last week sucked. He just straight out, straight up called me out. Uh, so I'm going to bring the energy. I'm going to bring the positivity tonight. I'm ready to do it. Absolutely. Well, Brooks, I'm going to actually let you start with football this week. I want to ask you what you thought about Memphis's win over ULM on Saturday. A little bit of a weird game, but what were your overall takeaways from Saturday's win? Well, first of all, Brady White is a good quarterback. I've been trying to tell y'all. I've been trying to tell you crazy people. I'm not going to go hostile. All I want to say is Brady White was in my opinion he was great on Saturday and I I just want to lead with one statistic one statistic to me says it all I'm going to list off five quarterbacks I'm going to let everyone else I'm going to let everyone listening make up their minds on Brady White as I read these five quarterbacks Jalen Hurts Tua I'm not even going to say his last name. Everybody knows I'm bad with names. I'm not, I'm not going there. Joe Burrow, LSU. Tanner Morgan, Minnesota. Justin Fields, Ohio State. Those are all the passing efficiency of the top five quarterbacks in all of Division One football. Guess who's number six? Brady White at 184.9. Just three are two and a half points behind Justin Fields at Ohio State. So I, I'm just going to keep on saying it. Brady White is a good quarterback. He is putting Memphis in position to win games. He did it again on Saturday. That's my main takeaway. Now, uh, ULM, you know, they did a lot that gave Memphis problems. They were they were actually really good. Uh, they were a lot of fun to watch, too. Um so, you know, overall, I don't think you can, like, try to take too much away from that game. You know, I don't I don't think Mike Norvell and staff were probably happy with giving up 33 points. Um, but overall, it was a, an entertaining game. Uh, Caleb Evans is the real deal. He was spectacular. Um, but, yeah, it was a great game. Well, I'm not going to lie, Brooks. You blew my mind a little bit because I did not know – Brady White was sixth in quarterback efficiency. That is very impressive. Not, and he obviously is not the caliber of player. Just to clarify, you're not trying to say that he's the caliber of player as Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Fields, but the numbers do say that he's an efficient quarterback. I think we can see that on a week-to-week basis, that he is efficient. He typically takes care of the ball. He doesn't usually have to throw the ball a ton because of the running game. Speaking of the running game, Brooks, Kenny Gainwell is exactly what we thought he was going to be and probably a little bit better than even I expected on that one because he has been incredible in his redshirt freshman season. I think we saw flashes through the spring of last year, uh, 
and, and obviously into fall camp. Just it's such a talented player. Uh, I've said this multiple times on the podcast. He's a former quarterback in high school. Uh, he understands the game. He's a very smart running back. And he is so hard to bring down. It's like nobody can manage to bring Kenny Gainwell down. He's not Daryl Henderson. He's not as fast as Daryl Henderson. I don't think he's the explosive playmaker on a consistent basis. He can obviously make big plays, but he can't break it every time like Daryl. But this is a point that I was actually making to uh, our digital content producer, Kenny Stubblefield. Kenny Gainwell has the potential and Brooks, we did this last year with Antoine Jones, and it bit us in the butt. But man, <laughs> but dare I say, Kenny Gainwell has the potential to be the best running back in Memphis's history. And it is a little bit crazy when you think about Patrick Taylor still there, and he's one of the best running backs the school's ever seen. Yeah, Daryl Henderson last year, obviously D'Angelo Williams. This team has seen a ton of good running backs in school history, but Kenny Gainwell is only a redshirt freshman, and he already is eighth in the country in rushing yards right now he's eighth in the country has six touchdowns has also shown his ability as a wide receiver uh, as a receiver out of the backfield as well so the sky is truly the limit for him he's a ton of fun to watch like I said he's not the biggest guy he's not the fastest guy he just makes it happen he has great vision he breaks tackles he makes things happen and 14 carries 209 yards two touchdowns also added three catches for 42 yards you just don't expect that type of production from a redshirt freshman. When Patrick Taylor went out, a lot of people were worried about the what the running game would look like because, you know, we had been told that Kenny Gainwell was going to be Tony Pollard, so he was going to play in the slot and the backfield. So losing Patrick Taylor was going to be a big blow. And I don't think Memphis's offense has felt a blow at all from losing Patrick Taylor because Kenny Gainwell has just been that good. Well, Christian – I agree with everything you just said. Uh, Kenny Gainwell is unbelievable, and I'm going to come back to that. that I, I want to clarify one statement. To agree with you, I'm not saying that Brady White is Justin Fields or Tua or any of those other guys. I want to clarify. The NCAA passer, passer efficiency rating is, is based upon four factors, and I don't know if most people listening know that this. It's based upon completion percentage, yards per pass, touchdowns per pass, and interceptions per pass. And for Brady White, you've got to look at all four of those. And I think that's why he's so high on that list is because he's not going to kill you in the negative in terms of interceptions per pass. He's got a high completion percentage. He typically doesn't miss a lot of balls. The balls that he does miss sometimes are bad. Um but he's overall, he's a very, very efficient player. And he's had some big-time throws down the field for high-yard completions. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that he's that guy. I think what I am saying is he puts you in a position to win and doesn't put you in a position to lose. I think that's that's overall, to me, why Brady White is number six on that list. But back to Kenny Gainwell. You said it. I mean, he has the chance. He's got a chance. Through five games, if you're looking at top ten guys for Memphis in in terms of rushing yards, regardless of class, D'Angelo Williams through five games had 426 yards his freshman year. Kenny Gainwell through five games has 620. He's he's got almost 33% more yards than D'Angelo Williams did through five games as a freshman. 
And he didn't start the first game. And he didn't even start. So overall, in single season yards through five games, Kenny Gainwell's 620 yards is fourth overall for Memphis. D'Angelo Williams, his senior year, had 885 yards, which is just absurd through five games. That's just nuts. (laughs) Daryl Henderson, 760 through five games. D'Angelo Williams, his junior year, had 752. And Gainwell at 620. Uh, Out of those numbers, Daryl Henderson's 760 yards at second, he had he was averaging 11.7 yards per carry. Gainwell is the second most at 8.2 yards per carry on that list. So, it really ridiculous stats for the freshman, especially considering that first game. You know, I think the more he touches the ball, the more comfortable he gets, the better he's going to get. Uh, he's just so shifty and so hard to bring down, like you said. So, very bright future, and. I think I've heard some rumors that Patrick Taylor could be back in the next two games, which would be massive for Memphis. Um, so, I, I mean, Memphis football is so exciting right now. But I, th- I think one of the things that I, I'm kind of leery of heading into a stretch of really big games in AAC play is what's going on with the defense, Christian? Well, this is something that really took me by storm because ULM's offense has been decent this season. They they put up 40-plus against Florida State. I believe they only managed 20 against Iowa State. So I didn't expect ULM to have a big game necessarily, um, but but Memphis could not stop Caleb Evans. I mean, he is he's not the best quarterback in the world. If you watch some of the throws that he made, he didn't make a ton of throws that you know were, are going to kill you. But it was the threat for him to run the ball. When he started running the ball the way he did, Memphis had to change their defense, which made their secondary susceptible to big plays. And and when he had to hit the plays, he did. And, that, I mean, that's really all you can ask for in your quarterback, obviously. But I think Memphis thought going into that game that they could take away Caleb Evans as far as running. And they couldn't. And when they couldn't, that's when he started exploding. I mean, 286 yards, passing two touchdowns over 100 yards rushing and two more touchdowns. He was really, uh, really killing Memphis all game, along with Josh Johnson in the backfield, who, much like Kenny Gainwell, is in the top ten of rushing this year. So no slouch at running back that they had in Johnson. But this is this is a game where you wanted to neutralize. You did not want ULM to have 500-plus yards and 30-plus points. But, I mean, I understand that it happens. And um, the, the thing that – doesn't have me worried. Like you said, you're leery about it. The thing that doesn't have me worried about this is Memphis's defense looked really bad against Southern as well. And I think Adam Fuller went in, made adjustments, probably probably lit some fires under some butts, and the guys came back out and played well. And I think I think when you've had a defense that hasn't been good for so long, so many guys on this defense have played on bad defenses throughout their career. I don't want to say they give up, but they've seen you know they've seen this story before. They've they've seen this narrative before where the defense gives up a ton of points. So I wouldn't be shocked if in certain games they do start to hang their heads because of the way that it's been before. And when you have a new defensive coordinator like Adam Fuller, I really do think he's trying to change the culture. I think that obviously takes more than an offseason in five games. So I think it's going to be a progression. I think Memphis's defense will continue to get better as the season goes. But they do have to do so quickly because they do have tough games coming up. Temple and Tulane, uh, those are both going to be huge games, huge 
uh, conference games, also against good teams. Temple and Tulane have both played well this year, so the defense does have to shape up quickly. This will be their first true road test of the year. I know they played in Mobile against South Alabama and in Monroe against ULM, but the trip to Philadelphia would be their really their first road trip of the year, and the defense cannot play like they did this past weekend or it'll either be a shootout and Memphis somehow comes out on the other side or Memphis does lose because of their defense. So they will have to play well. Temple has a good defense, so Memphis's defense needs to match their energy uh, you know, going into this Saturday's game. Well, I don't want to go too far, you know, too in-depth on breaking down the rest of the game, what's going on with the defense, uh, because for those listening, if you have not checked it out, uh, Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn of Sports 56, uh, former Memphis offensive lineman. We have a show called um, – what's it called? Go Why Tiger. am I blanking right now? Go Tigers 247 <laughs> Film Room. Come film, on, Brooks. Film Room. I watch it every week. In fact, for those listening, here's the awesome part about this. We put it on YouTube. You can actually cast it up on your, your big screen TV – that's what I do. I usually do it every game day, so I throw it up on the TV. I'll watch it during dead time instead of college game day or between games and uh, check it out because it's it's extremely well produced. The The content that you're getting there is uh, as in-depth of a breakdown of Memphis's football games as you're going to get anywhere. So with that said, I want to take a quick break, let you guys hear for a minute from Gabe Kuhn, Christian's counterpart on the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, I'm here with Gabe Kuhn. Gabe, um, for those who haven't had the chance to watch any of the Film Room episodes that we've done this year, why don't you give our listeners um, a background of who you are, how you got to the city of Memphis, and, and what you're doing right now in your career? Obviously, I came here through a uh, football scholarship. And uh, it, it was really cool. I, I came here with uh, Justin Fuente. He recruited me here um, with help of Coach Barry Odom, who's at Mizzou as of right now as the head coach. And I got to see a transformation happen. I got here in 2013, uh, stayed till 2017, got a good degree, met my girlfriend here, um, and, and got to start 51 games in the process. And it was really good. The city of Memphis has been great to me as of right now. I am at uh, Sports 56, um, 96.1 and 87.7, WHBQ, and I produce uh, 1 to 3 for Johnny Radio's Happy Hour. So when Christian reached out to you this year about, uh, at the beginning of this year, about doing the Film Room episodes with us, why did you decide to do it, and and why do you think it's so important for the fans of the University of Memphis? It's awesome. When when Christian came to me with the idea, I I just, I latched onto it, because I think it's definitely something that we haven't seen. You look at Memphis as a basketball town a lot of the time, and, and I think that you know the average fan deserves somewhat of a of a education, as in uh, into football. And I think there's a lot of times when you just look at it on surface level and you see these guys not necessarily have a game that they like. Uh, they don't really perform statistically how you like. And, and I think showing insight as to why that is is so important, especially when you're trying to educate the fans. So at the time that we're recording this interview, we've done four episodes, uh, four different games, all four being Tiger wins. Um, why don't you uh, tell us some of the major themes that have come out this year um, in all four of these games um, that we've covered? Uh, I think we're just bringing to the light just sort of what 
the Tigers like to do and who the Tigers are as a as a uh, school and as a program now under the uh, helm of Mike Norvell. And, and I think we're to the point where uh, we really sort of grasp on to these uh, these processes that they go through, and we just sort of show uh, how that works. A lot of fans understand the basic point of football, and that's that, it's that an offense is trying to get the ball in the end zone and the defense is trying to stop the other team. But what makes football, with 22 guys on the field at the same time, such a unique sport in regards to breaking down film and understanding the intricacies of the game? And you just said it right there, honestly. With 11 men on the field, it's so much, it's the ultimate team game. You don't see anything else like it. If one thing goes wrong, the play will not be the way it is. If one guy stands out and makes a crazy play, it will end up in their favor. So I think it's just the ultimate team game. And, and when you look at a lot of other sports, everyone sort of has a name for themselves. You look at basketball. All five guys are out there scoring points and, and, and you know, being able to get up statistics. But, like, for me, I was an old lineman. I think there's a lot of guys on that field that do things that are unseen and unheard by the fans. So we are four games into the season so far, and there are a ton of guys that we could pick out and choose and say these guys are the MVPs of the year so far. You've got guys like Brady White, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, DeMonte Coxie, Antonio Gibson. Um, there's a lot of them. But in your expert opinion, who are the unsung MVPs of the team this year that might not get the recognition that they deserve, but you would say have been vital to the success of the team so far? Oh, my gosh. The unsung MVP. I'm sorry. And this is obviously a little biased, I would say. I'm an old lineman guy. But Dustin Woodard, what he's done as far as moving from left guard to right guard his, his junior year to center his senior year and anchoring that line who has – produced a back in Kenny Gainwell, who is now looked up as the country's elite at this point. And, and I think he's a guy that has gotten that offensive line uh, secured. And he's not a guy that gets a lot of credit for it. I will say that much. On the defensive side, uh, I'm going to have to go with Brian Goodson. I think what he brings to the table as far as a disruptor, he's been creating a lot of havoc in, in other guys' backfields. And I think that he's, you know, done a phenomenal job. But it, over anything, I really think what Adam Fuller has been able to do in recruiting, that's a guy who I look at as far as a coach who has absolutely uh, just transformed this defense into what it is this year. And, and that's that's a guy that deserves a lot of credit as well as uh, guys like O'Brien Goodson, guys like J.J. Russell, just guys that play their role within his system. Gabe, thanks for joining us tonight, man. And I, I just am, am, it's been exciting to be able to to do these games with you, to break down these games with you, and your your knowledge of the sport is on an expert level. And I'm excited to continue to break down these films with you every single week, and 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 just help educate the fans of of Memphis football. Absolutely, and make sure everyone tunes in. Definitely, we need need to get people watching those. I think it's very educational, and, and we try to make it very fun, me and Christian. Actually, before we go, why don't you uh, tell us about another podcast that you're a part of each week and give a little plug for that. Yeah, I actually have one with my brother, Alex. He uh, works in Iowa with the ESPN affiliate, ESPN Radio, there in Cedar Rapids. And I, uh, we have a podcast where we talk a lot of football. It's a seasonal podcast called the TKT Podcast, and it comes out every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts at about noon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's transition from football to basketball. If you've been living in a hole and missed it, Memphis had its first ever NBA Pro Day at the Laurie Walton Practice Facility today. Uh, Over 70 to 90 Uh, representatives from NBA teams, NBA scouts, front office, GMs, uh, were all in attendance over uh, a representative from every NBA team in the house today, Uh, and that was Monday. So Christian, you were there. They gave access to the media for 30 minutes, not a lot of time overall for the entire pro day. So in that 30 minutes, what did you see? What were you able to take away? Yeah, so for those who don't know, uh, typically in a in a pro day style like this, they what the staff wanted to do is basically have it like the NBA combine. So the guys, uh, they had their measurements. They went through uh, standing verticals, uh, running verticals, three on threes, five on five, cone drills, uh, agility drills, things like that, just so uh, they could give those numbers to the scouts, obviously, and let them know where the guys are at this point. And really, what the media got to see uh, was nothing but verticals uh, and a couple of agility drills so there really wasn't a ton to take away from that other than the obvious fact that that James Wiseman is a freak I mean watching him watching his standing vertical his running vertical uh, his cone drills he jumps and moves unlike any other seven foot one player that I've ever seen but but like I said with the with the minimal amount that we were able to see there wasn't much to take away and Brooks from this event I think the biggest thing as you mentioned this as soon as you introduced it is that this is Memphis's first ever pro day. Memphis has never had anything like this, uh, not when Calipari was here, not when Passner was here, when uh, Memphis was really good in the beginning of his tenure. It's never happened here, uh, regardless of how good the teams have been. So, Brooks, with that happening today, with 70 to 90 NBA representatives in Memphis today to watch the Tigers, what does it mean? What does it mean for the city? What does it mean for the program, for the university? How big of a deal was this? Well, you know, I've seen people, local media, say this is big because it allows Memphis to showcase its talent. Uh, It puts Memphis on the map in terms of prospects, recognizing that Memphis has the ability to get them seen. All of that's great. But here's the bottom line. Memphis opening its doors to every single NBA team, giving them an organized way to see an updated look at every one of these players all in one place, all in one location before the season starts. It opens that door, that relationship with those NBA front offices. It establishes relationships for the program. It it makes Memphis a pro-friendly program. Memphis now is established with blue bloods in terms of the open door policy to the Laurie Walton practice facility to be able to come in, watch Memphis's players, evaluate, and know that they're going to be taken care of. Uh, NBA scouts, if you talk to them, they they value schools that value them. Um, it's big for a school to actually open the door to them 
make sure that they're treated right, that their seats are good. That all matters. So, you know, these NBA front office guys, the, the scouts that they have there, this is not the first time they've seen James Wiseman. It's not. They've seen him plenty of times. There's tons of film on James Wiseman that they can watch. They've been to see him in person at multiple events. They got to see him at uh, Team USA stuff not long ago. Even even some of Memphis's lesser-known guys, Damian Ball, Lester Quinones, Precious Achiwa, who's not lesser known, but you know all of those guys, uh, Boogie Ellis, they they all know about these guys. They've seen them, so it's not about getting them looks. It's about opening the door, having that handshake, seeing them face to face, putting a face with the name, and, and reaffirming those relationships. I think that's the biggest part of it. So I think that's a very interesting point because, like you said, most media, most fans have said this is just big for the players. And 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 you made a great point that all of these, all the ta- all the tape on all these players is available. These NBA scouts can go watch any of these guys at any given time and see what they bring to the floor. Now, now, do I think it it puts them in front of their face like you like you kind of alluded to at the end? Yes, I do think it. You know, say a team was to to make a pick and they were called back to a day when they saw DJ Jeffries. I think I think that's definitely a possibility. When they went, they saw that player in the per, in person. They got to talk to him or whatever. I think it does make a bit of an impact. But I think your point is perfect. I think it's I think it's big for the university as a whole uh, to make that relationship with NBA staffs and to uh, really have that open door policy. But Brooks, I also have another question for you about this because I do think it's interesting. When you have something for the first time in school history, I do think it's an interesting topic. Uh, So with Penny Hardaway, with him doing this, what does it say about what, and I think we've talked about this a million times at this point, but what does it say about what he's doing with this program in such a short amount of time? Well, I mean, this just reiterates for the one millionth time that, Penny Hardaway is making Memphis a gateway to the NBA. This is all about NBA, NBA, NBA. I mean, he is establishing direct relationships with NBA front offices. He's bringing in in NBA scouts and NBA GMs and front office staff. Everything about this program is NBA. His new Memphis assistant hire, in Cody Toppert, NBA. He had other opportunities to look at guys outside of NBA, and he opted for for Toppert over those guys because he values the ability of those around the program bringing in people that give perspective on how to push prospective uh, student-athletes into the league, period. And, you know, I don't know if there's a single other coach that could have taken Memphis from the doldrums of Tubby Smith to being at a pinnacle right now other than Penny Hardaway in terms of establishing Memphis as an NBA first school. There's not another. I mean, I don't I don't I don't there there's no way that you can get a guy like Coach K or Calipari back. You you're not getting those people. But there's no outside of Blue Bloods, Roy Williams. There's no other coach that gives you that opportunity immediately, and that's what Penny Hardaway did. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. And before we end on this topic, Brooks, I do have one more quick question for you because I do think, like like you said, I think it's I think it's very interesting how 
quickly Penny Hardaway has turned it around and what he's done for the program to be able to have a pro day like this this soon. Because NBA scouts are not going to come to a pro day if there's no talent. And we obviously know that Memphis has talent at this point. And Brooks, I think the probably the question that we've been asked most about this pro day in the in the past month or so since it's been been announced is what does this do for recruiting? Because at the end of the day, Penny does want to get his players to the NBA, but he also loves to make moves in the recruiting world. So with this pro day, what does it do for some of the younger recruits? What does it show them about Memphis and this coaching staff? Well, I mean, I think I alluded to it before. Yes, this is important. It it puts Memphis in a position to where it's telling players, we get you in front of NBA people. But, I mean, Memphis will have probably one of the most visited uh, home schedules of any team in the country this season. They've got a legitimate five guys that are right now NBA prospects and others that could be. Um, you know, and I, I might even be selling them short. Um, and it would not shock me if there were – four guys that were in consideration for leaving after this season. So what that says is that regardless of your ranking, you do not have to be James Wiseman or Precious Achiwa. You do not have to be a five-star to come to Memphis, be seen, evaluated by NBA staffs, and turn yourself into an NBA draft pick. And that's massive because when you have guys – like Dawson Garcia, we'll get to him. We're not going to cover him yet. When you have guys like that in Memphis on an official visit uh, who, who's a, a borderline five-star guy, it says a ton. It speaks volumes to, to players like him, to his parents. It just reiterates that NBA mindset over and over and over again. Absolutely, Brooks. Well, with that being said, let's take another quick break here from our sponsors. And on the other side, we will talk about Dawson Garcia and his official visit this weekend for the Pro Day. We'll be back after this. Let's do it. So, Brooks, you teased it on the other side of the break. And four-star big man Dawson Garcia was in Memphis this weekend for Memphis' Pro Day on his official visit, which is news that we actually broke early last week, almost a week and a half ago at this point. So, it's been a minute since Go Tigers 247 broke that one. Uh, but Brooks, with him coming on, on campus this weekend, and, and he's somebody that we've talked about a lot in the past few weeks, is Dawson Garcia becoming Memphis's top big target for the 2020 class? Well, I mean, I think if you're saying top target, you have to keep one thing in mind, and that's Memphis is not just taking one big man in 2020. People can call me crazy because they just added Isaiah Stokes. They've got other guys returning next year. But just from watching this play out, from knowing what I know, Memphis will not just take a guy like Dawson Garcia and call it quits and go for guards. They will take multiple posts. They'll take different styles of players. So when you look at it, uh, yes, 100%. I do think that Dawson Garcia is a an extreme priority for Memphis. I think it's obvious by the fact of how quickly they prioritized him after the MBPA Top 100 camp, after watching him during the summer uh, during, on the Adidas Gauntlet circuit, at watching him at uh, Team USA. You know, he actually was a roommate of uh, Memphis target Devin Askew 
and won the first USA Basketball three-on-three championship uh, at USA Basketball. So, you know, I do think that Memphis shifted and prioritized him very quickly, visited him multiple times throughout the month of September, got that official visit set in stone quickly, and then got him to Memphis on Sunday earlier this week uh, so that he could take in the pro day on Monday. And, and that's massive. But, yeah, I do think that Memphis will continue to prioritize other bigs, but that does not mean that they take away anything from uh, from Dawson Garcia at all. You know, I think uh, Jethro Muscadine, you'll see them target him heavily. We've talked about him, about how he's a priority for the staff, but he's a completely different player than Dawson is. Dawson is extremely skilled, can really, really shoot the pill. Uh, he's decently athletic and explosive, but not like freak, which, you know, at 6'10", and with his skill, you don't have to be. You know, he's quick enough with his skill and his ability to to put his shoulder into a guy to get by defenders his size uh, and finish at the rim. You know, I, I think for me, um, a Kyle Kuzma comp is a, is a very good comp. A, a better shooting Pascal Siakam uh, is a good comp. Maybe, you know, if he just turns his development over and, and into overdrive and I mean, I could see him being a KD-esque type of player. Like, I'm not saying an, a perennial all-star future Hall of Famer because KD is ridiculous. He's a generational talent. Uh, but he is that type of a player, a versatile four that can step out and really create matchup problems. And Jethro is completely opposite. He's a guy, he's a big who lives in the post, extremely long, athletic, bl- jumps, block shots, rebounds well. He's he's just an active big. And Memphis needs multiple bigs in the post for next season after losing a guy like James Wiseman and also losing Precious Achua. Um, so, yeah. So, he yes, he's a priority, but he's not the only one. I think your point is, is absolutely perfect there because I think all you have to do is look back to the 2019 class to see exactly what you're saying there is that they're going to have multiple big targets, and they're not all going to be the same. Like you're saying with Dawson and uh, Jethro being completely different players, just look at the bigs that Memphis brought in in the 2019 class. You have James Wiseman, who we all know is an athletic freak and was the top player in the class. Uh, Precious Achiwa, who's coming in as a four, same thing, extremely athletic, uh, more known for his defense than his offense. Uh, then you have a guy like Malcolm Dandridge, who's your you know your lunch pail type guy who's going to come in and work. Isaiah Stokes, who is a is a you know a four who can pass the ball a little bit, can play down low, can do a little bit of everything, can bump down low. So when you look at the bigs that they got in the 2019 class, I think it fits perfectly with the point that you're making about the bigs in the 2020 class. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing to really talk about as it relates to Dawson Garcia is really where does Memphis stand in this? And and I'll add more in VIP. You know, right now we just got through wrapping up a massive special, and we're going to have another one leading up to, to basketball season. Uh, so stay tuned on that. But if you aren't VIP, now's the time to do it because, you know, we've, we've got other visitors that are lined up. We'll be dropping news on that. You know, we'll be – posting updates on Dawson Garcia, his visit, where Memphis stands. But overall, you look at his list, Dawson Garcia uh, is being recruited by Memphis, Arizona, Indiana, Kansas, Marquette, and Minnesota. 
So if you look at that list overall, really the only school from a potential roster breakdown that doesn't have a ton of competition at his position is Kansas. Uh, right now they've got Jalen Wilson, Tristan Inaruna, I don't know if I completely messed that up, Silvio D'Souza and David McCormick uh, as post guys that will be back when Dawson enrolls. Uh, two sophomores, a senior, and a junior. So that's the lightest overall roster breakdown at his position. You know, they could more than likely they'll lose Sylvia D'Souza. David McCormick could possibly go as well. So Kansas probably presents the biggest need uh, compared to Memphis uh, with these other schools. Indiana's got a log jam. Arizona's got a log jam. Marquette has a massive one, and Minnesota actually just picked up a commitment from uh, four-star uh, center, our power forward, and Martise Mitchell uh, on Monday night. So that effectively ends their recruitment of Dawson Garcia. So right now, Memphis is right there in the mix. They've, they present the best opportunity relative to positive PR right now. You know, KU, I just, if I'm a prospect and you saw it, Last year with the 2019 class, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's a, you know, his father attended KU, spurned the Jayhawks and went to Villanova. You know, he was a five-star, almost like a, he was a shoe-in to go to Kansas. And because of his concerns about KU, the FBI, the NCAA, he went elsewhere. And I think you'll continue to see that concern. Kansas has already had guys announce transfers. So Memphis is right there in the mix for Dawson Garcia. Um, so stay tuned with that. I think there's, there's going to be obviously a lot to follow there. Well, Brooks, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. And before we get out of here, just want to remind everybody to head over to GoTigers247.com. Check out everything we are doing over there. Like Brooks mentioned multiple times, we will be filling the VIP boards with plenty of content from upcoming visit, upcoming visits, past visits, Dawson Garcia. So make sure to stay locked into that. Also, like Brooks mentioned, make sure to check out GoTigers247 Film Room because me and Gabe both really do enjoy doing it. I think it's a ton of fun. I think if you love the game of football and you and you are curious about the game of football and how it unravels, um, then it's definitely a segment for you. I know it is tuned a little bit more to the hardcore football fan, but I promise you if you check it out, I think you will enjoy it. Also, make sure to go over subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Stitcher, uh, everywhere you get your podcast, you can subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, but with that being said, Brooks, do you have anything else? I actually do want to add something here. I, I honestly believe that my increase in football knowledge is directly and positively related to Go Tigers 247's film room. If you notice, over the last four to six weeks, You've been pretty sharp. My football skills, they've they've I've stepped it up. And I, I just didn't have those football skills prior to Film Room becoming a thing. And I think it's all related to that. So my point is, if you're just a casual football fan, you're more of a Memphis basketball fan, and you, you watch football, you cheer them on, but you don't, you're, you're not hardcore, listen to uh, watch Film Room. It's going to turn you into a hardcore fan. It's going to make you smarter, just like it did me. You'll feel like you stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. So Christian, with that said... I got nothing else. You got anything? Speak now. I'll go to my end. All right.
That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 